Hello and welcome to Rewirement, the podcast where we help you make the right connections to create your brightest financial future, brought to you by Legal in General. I'm Angelica Bell, and in this series, we're meeting a whole range of real people with real financial issues, from when should I start a pension, to how do I balance today's expenses with saving for tomorrow? We have searched up and down the country for anyone willing to share their story. We've also found a team of fantastic financial experts who are already with some excellent suggestions. Now, each time you'll hear what happens when they get together. And we hope that it's not just our willing participants who get great information, but that you will too. This time, we're dealing with something lots of us wonder about. Is it possible to retire early, say in your 50s? It's an appealing idea, isn't it? Being financially secure enough that you don't have to work and being young enough to really make the most of all that freed up time to travel, pursue your passions, not having to worry about making ends meet in the way you might have done in the past. But how realistic is it for most of us? Well, today we're meeting two people looking for the answer to exactly this question, but whose circumstances are really very different. So first of all, let's say hello to Gwen, who's with us now. Hi, Gwen. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you for asking. No problem. Now, I've been reading up about you, but I'd like you to tell everyone listening a bit about yourself. I'm Gwen. I'm 44 years of age. And the question that I posed at the time was whether I would be able to retire at 51. And I wouldn't say comfortably retire, but just have the dream of actually letting go a little bit. Let's just find out a bit more about what you do day to day because you work in a supermarket, don't you? You're a cashier. I do, yes. I was in the army for near enough seven years. Got out of the army, had three children and joined the supermarket, which I've done for 11 years, so it can't be that bad. <laughs> but it's got to the point, and from COVID, it gave me a different mindset. It mm -hmm. gave me a different lifestyle. And I kind of liked laid back things that were happening around me and it made me want more. So although you love your job, COVID made you think a lot about what's happening afterwards. And I guess you must be surrounded by people as well who, who are thinking about that sort of thing. I'm around people of a certain age. So when they've hit the age of 63, they thought they'd be retiring at 64. Then it goes on and goes on. And I don't want to be in that situation where the goalposts keep moving. I want to take the decision out of their hands and say, right, this is my plan. Yeah. And work with it. And are there any key questions you're specifically looking to be answered when it comes to your finances? It was just where to put the money. Mm -hmm. We're pretty good with retirement plans. We can't put them anywhere else or much more money into them. And it was just purely to get them out of that safe, safe account where they're doing nothing to something maybe a little bit more risky. Yeah. To make a bit more money. Yeah. So you want your money to work for you. Well, listen, we found someone who could help you. Jeremy Howe, he's a very experienced independent financial advisor based in Dorset. And you two got the chance to talk. So let's have a listen to some of that conversation. The biggest problem people have with early retirement is they don't quite estimate how much money they're going to spend because mm -hmm. suddenly probably would sort of say with your family etc that the most expensive days of the week are the weekend and here you're going to have one long weekend from age 51 mm. which sounds fantastic by the way so well done on your aspirations to do that but obviously you do have to look at what your budget might be during those years because it may be more than you think. Where are you at at the moment with savings then because I know you sort of said you would look to sort of sort 
source any gap in income from savings plans. Have you made savings or are you looking to start saving a bit more regularly? We have a slush fund. Uh, My husband had a motorcycle accident about four years ago and it just really made me realise how the pack of cards could fall Mm. with him being the main breadwinner. So I saved like crazy and I cleared the mortgage. Wow. And then we have a slush fund just in case anything does go wrong, such as boiler, roof or things like that. But obviously, I think we need something on top that they take the money away from me for five 10 years and then I can access it then and it's almost like a goal as opposed to I would probably dip into it if I was left to my own devices. I understand where you're coming from because a lot of clients say the same thing really that they do save but oh hang on a minute there's a holiday looming and or whatever or a new car and the money goes and I guess where a financial advisor comes in that we can sort of start you up with some sort of regular savings which is a bit more disciplined saving where every month from direct debit money gets paid into an account mm-hmm. we would kind of sort of think well if we can keep it there for sort of six seven eight years it's open-ended that would make absolute sense because mm-hmm. that would tie in very nicely with your income needs at that time the thing to say too because I know you were asking a little a bit about ISAs and if you're not too risk averse a stocks and shares ISA over that sort of period of time could work very nicely for you at the moment the ISA limit is £20,000 per individual per year so you know quite a lot of money and when you come to draw on those funds they are actually tax-free in your hands as well the downside to that in a way is the fact that you've also to to invest in that kind of arena you've got to have an element of risk at the moment as you I'm sure are aware we are living in quite volatile times so we have to be mindful of that how do you generally feel about sort of investment and risk have you taken any financial risks that I should be aware of that are either come off or or not I'm more of a middle of the road person I don't want to do something too risky because obviously I have dependents yes and that would worry me a little bit I'm not that safe that I would once get not point not 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 one percent savings <laughs> like we're getting at the moment. That's a slight exaggeration, but middle of the road where there are slight risks and it just goes up nicely, as opposed to yeah. going up frighteningly or going down frighteningly. I'm just a little I'm bit wary you. of that. That's fine. I think it's worth saying too that because of the time span that you've got before you sort of reach that age when you might want to slow down work-wise, we've got time for the markets to do all sorts of things, go up and down and sideways and still in six, seven years time or whatever, you're going to be in a position where you've got a nice little return on your savings. The other thing that I think you need to sort of consider is that at 51 you're still going to be young well certainly young in my eyes anyway because (laughs) (laughs) and with that in mind what we find is with a lot of clients it's just a lifestyle thing these days that they might not want to do what they're doing you know for 40 hours a week at the moment but quite honestly to sort of be working full time and then going to doing nothing in the work environment is not necessarily the right thing for you and it may well be that nearer the time you decide to do some part-time work that type of thing and that is something that we would take into consideration when looking at what your income needs are there. Yeah we don't want to fully retire as and when needed we'd probably do some agency work we both have licenses from the army for HGV or LGV and warehouse so we'd probably use that as and when the market wanted it really 
well, there we are. We don't know what the future holds, but that is a real opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you always sort of feel there is always going to be a demand for drivers, isn't there? Yes. I was going to ask, with reference to the ISA with stocks and shares, how much would you invest a month? Because I've just come out of the government helped save where... Again, £50 was took away from me, but it also had a very good interest rate if you left it alone. That's a very good question. I'd put it back to you and sort of say, what are you looking for at the end of any given term? And we would kind of work our way around that. You sort of said at the moment you've been saving £50 a month. And with Mm -hmm. most sort of stocks and shares ISAs, that would be a starting level. But the other thing which I think is interesting with ISAs, if you were saving, let's say, for example, £50 a month, you know, £600 a year, If for whatever reason there was a bonus at work or anything like that, you could pay in a lump sum alongside that as well. And so they are incredibly flexible. If in a year's time you had a pay rise and you thought, well, I'd like more of that to go towards my future savings, there's absolutely no issue with you increasing your savings by, you know, another £20 a month or whatever. The other thing that we do these days often is looking to achieve over that period of time. So if you sort of said, I've got a goal that I want to save, for argument's sake, £10,000 by a certain date, we would then look at what you need to do to achieve that. And obviously, it's only a guesstimate at best because of the fact that, you know, we don't know what the markets are going to do, etc. But, you know, what we can do is give you a little bit of guidance. For any transaction that we do with a client these days, we do very much look at budget analysis to know what comes in, what goes out and what's spare. And that's always a really good exercise for the clients as well, because sometimes they go, really, we spent X amount on eating out or coffees or whatever it happens to be. (laughs) It's mainly going on petrol at the moment. Seriously, that's our major outgoing at the moment is fuel. And that came from nowhere, really, didn't it? You know, um, a few months ago, we would have been horrified at what it cost to fill Mm -hmm. up the car now. But that's not going to go away in the short term, certainly. Mm -hmm. And again, this is the issue with your overall plans, because we've got to make sure that you can live comfortably if you are either reducing your hours or, Mm -hmm. you know, stopping completely. Yeah, I've got an army pension, which I'm allowed to apply for when I'm 60. Craig, it's another 15 years away that. Um, My husband's pension's actually kicking in next year. I have a pension that I can't really put much more into with a well-known supermarket. And I have a pension (laughs) that I could buy a meal for one with from a local authority. It was £34 I get. (laughs) (laughs) You are in a similar place to a lot of clients these days where they have various career paths and sometimes you do find yourself with a bit of pension here and a bit of pension there. Again, uh, an advisor can collectively look at those for you and uh, just make sure that you're making the right options for them. Because you you sort of said too about having a personal pension Uh, sooner rather than Mm -hmm. later didn't you do you know the values of that do you keep track of that I do yeah but I must admit they're just like figures to me Mm. I don't really understand them I'm just hoping it's a happy surprise at the end but I do know that I put down for 55 to collect it but I won't I just wanted to put that goal in but I already know that they've put that age back up to 57 when you'll be able to draw it I think it's been written into the contract that I would have to be over 57 because I think we're that frightened of people drawing on the pension and running out of the money. 
There is an issue there and legislation it's being considered at the moment because of the 55 stroke 57 mm. issue. But that's a good plan, really, when you sort of say, well, the plan's there. I could take it, but I won't because the longer you leave it there, if it's in the right funds, etc., you you know, you will enjoy growth and it'll last that much longer when you do look to draw that plan. Uh, but again, engaging with an advisor would help you because if you selected those funds some time ago, and they haven't been looked at since, they may not necessarily be in the right place now for you. If you had a sum of money in the bank and it wasn't making any money, you'd probably move it to another account. And sometimes things like pensions get left behind because people think, well, that was then, it's just running along in the background from a previous job role or whatever. And it really is worth considering what your options are with those plans. Where savings are concerned, there are grey areas, such as people, myself included, Keep our money in one particular bank where, again, the interest rates are abysmal. But my husband won't change it because he's been with that bank since he was 16. <laughs> Even though I keep going, right, there's different cash back offers things. I've got to actually convince him and his friend everything will be messed up, such as direct debits, savings and things. But it really is the worst of the worst interest rates for a current account. And I think we just need to get a little bit more savvy and sit down and go, this isn't working anymore. They're not working hard for our money anymore. Maybe we should try a different bank. But that's like um, a bit of an uphill struggle sometimes with the fear factor. I am with you. And I'm with your husband to a degree because it's. I hear it so often. I have to say, generally speaking, to switch current accounts now is that much more simple than it ever was. We look for the best energy deals and everything else and the best car insurance. Why would we not look for the best bank accounts? And that's key to part of financial planning. So it's the only thing that is probably... We've not evolved. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to replay this conversation for him. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, when my husband left the army was 2008 and the banks went a bit funny then as well. So it was six months without any employment and we did fantastic. Collected all our direct debits into one space, got rid of any subscriptions. We took it down to the quick and looking back, it made us stronger because we had three kids under the age of five at the time. Mm. So again, that made me really savvy, more savvy than maybe I should be. Jeremy, would it be realistic for me to finish work and retire, semi-retire at 51 and almost go off grid as long as everything's paid, such as utilities, tax, and just obviously draw my pension at 60? I think that you would stand a better chance than most because you've already said that you can budget and you've lived through some difficult times. And I think you're more aware than most that your lifestyle would change and maybe you would have to look at your expenditure. Okay, I'm 44 now. Is there anything else that I can do or push for? that will help me achieve my goal? I think there is. I think the one thing that will make a difference is I think that when you save, it should hurt a little bit, not too much. So if you've got a figure in mind that you think that you could save on a monthly basis, have a think again and maybe cut out one or two luxuries in life that you've got at the moment and think, do you know what, this longer term aspiration to stop working in at 51, that may be achievable if I make it hurt a little bit now. Gwen, what did you think? Does it feel like you might be able to do this? I believe so, yes. I just need to get my husband on board now and work on him. <laughs> I mean, that's the story of our lives, really, isn't it? <laughs> I will drag him kicking and screaming if he has to. He has to come on board with this one. He's given me a lot to think about. 
a lot to sit down and have the conversation probably over a glass of wine with with my husband and go right we need to do x y and z it might hurt in the interim but eventually when things are more relaxed the kids have grown up yeah time for us to go off and travel and uh, do it within our time limits and not yeah. relying on other things. So basically just taking the hit so that you can still reap the benefits later. Very much so. So as I said, we're looking at retiring in your 50s from two different angles. And right now I'm joined by someone else who wants to, well, not exactly retire, but have some financial freedom. So Joe, welcome to Rewirement. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Now tell us a bit about your situation. So I worked hard as a teacher all my life in Paris and last year we decided to come back to England with my 13-year-old daughter and just selling my flat there and in about two or three months I will have a million pounds which is a ridiculous sum of money, but fantastic. But you've worked hard for years. I know, I know. It's just wonderful. I've been asset rich and cash poor all my life. And now, yeah, I'll have some money. So I've just signed on at Brighton Uni to do an MA in fine arts. And I want to have five years looking after my daughter, living without having to work full time and just really exploring life, being creative. And I want to just make the best decisions for investment of that money. So this is like a new chapter for you, which is very exciting. Yeah, it is. I love living in Paris. It's extraordinary. But I also adore living by the sea. Brighton's just the most sensational vibe here. People are so warm and friendly and open. And yes, I feel free for the first time in my life. And that's a great feeling. Well, Joe, the rewirement team has kept Jeremy busy because you also spent some time with him and had some very specific questions. I'm wondering whether just to sit it out for a year or two, putting the money somewhere in a bank might not be more intelligent than trying to find my way around a 50% purchase of a house and 50% investment portfolio. I feel that although we can't imagine that the property boom will continue at the same rate that it has over the last couple of years or so, one thing that is interesting is just how the rental market is still very buoyant and there are still a lot of people that want to rent properties and there's not enough houses for those. So I think what you'd have to do initially is to park the idea of maybe making money on your investment but thinking well is this going to solve another problem for me? Is this going to solve some of my income needs in the short term? And that is a definite yes it would do. I feel the other danger is that if you just sat on your deposits for you know the next year or two, we have another issue in this country at the moment, which is inflation. And I do wonder how that would really sort of manifest itself in your everyday world, because I feel that you would probably tap into your savings at a rate more than they were growing, certainly. I think what you need to do is to maybe let's have a look at the property market. If I bought a property for, I don't know, let's say £350,000, what kind of rental yield would that give me? And then you've got to think about the other issues such as would you want to manage that rental property yourself or would you want to bring in a an outside agency to do that? And where would you buy the property as an example? So all of these things you, you need to be given sort of consideration and thought before you sort of proceed. But certainly we With the investment markets being as volatile as they are as well at the moment and the economy as it is, I certainly feel that property would be the, pardon the pun, the foundations for what you're looking to achieve. And 
if you consider that in 10 years time you're going to receive a pension income and you're aware of what that is at this stage it may be that you could buy a property with the view of keeping that property for 10 years if you like to help bridge that gap are you advising me not to go down the route of an investment portfolio at this time then is that really something that you'd be really pretty scared of I'm really excited by it. I was really excited about the idea for a while until suddenly the world switched around on its axis once again. The Ukraine happened and suddenly there's Indeed. just so much anxiety. And I'm not saying that at all. I think what you need to do is to tread carefully and, and think about what your short-term needs are as well. There would be an argument to say at the moment that to invest when the markets are so volatile, it may be a fantastic opportunity. However, we don't know at the moment if we're at the lowest point in those markets or whether the markets are going to continue to be volatile and you know maybe slow further i think one thing that the pandemic's done for us though is just showed how quickly the markets can rebound so can i ask you what sort of percentage you would recommend would you recommend me putting in 30 percent of the money into an investment portfolio and the rest in property would you say 50 50 was a fair idea given that i'm comfortable with a a slight level of risk obviously a, a medium level of risk The risk is absolutely critical to uh, what recommendations would be made. But in the first instance, too, I think we would need to look at what your short term needs are as well, because any money that you put into an investment portfolio, if you invested today and then in three months time said, oh, I've overdone it and I'd rather have sort of £20,000 to buy a new car, for example, or whatever it happens to be, that would have been maybe the wrong time to invest the full amount now. Mm. So we'd really need to sit down, look at your plan for the next 10 years. And if you thought that there was a given percentage, whether that be 30% or 50% that you were able to sort of put away for, you know, five to 10 years, then I'd be very comfortable in taking things forward. But I know exactly what I want to do. Do you now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, in my plan, I give myself a hundred grand floating, which will pay for education, holidays for the next, let's say, seven or eight years. And I really want £5,000 a month to live on. And I want to be able to have that as a baseline. So the choices I make are dependent on that. So if I buy a property that doesn't give me that, I'll have to go into some kind of portfolio, investment portfolio, in order to make that up and draw on that money and not leave it in there. So my idea is not to take it all out after 10 years, but it's to be able to draw on that money every three months, let's say, to supplement my income. Yes. So it's really not about investing something to get a big lump sum at the end. I'm not interested in that. Okay, that's interesting, but we still need to consider risk and where we would invest the money. Because if, for example, that you invested in a a very low-risk environment, as an example, even if it was for the long term, it may be at some point that it can't sustain your income over a long period. And, And obviously, one of the goals that you've got is to sustain that income. And it's not a case of maybe making money on the initial capital. However, we can't have that capital run out either. And so these days, there are many sort of financial tools that we can use to help guide you when it comes to risk and withdrawing safely from an investment to make sure that it sustains your lifestyle for however long you want it to really. And we can also factor in things that further down the line, as an example, there will be pension income available to you. I guess, Jeremy, what I want to know, the bottom line is, am I being 
realistic in wanting to earn 5,000 a month for the next, let's say, 10 years. The capital doesn't have to go up that much, but can I do that? Can I pull that off? Is that feasible? With a mixture of sound financial investment and, let's say, one property that brings me rental. I feel that your objectives for a 10-year period would be met. I guess as an advisor, one thing that we always do is, is sort of say, you've come up with a figure of £5,000 per month, and I you know, respect that, but we would want to sort of really drill down a little bit and say, is that absolutely necessary, or could we start at a lower amount, or are you factoring in maybe some costs that are going to increase in a year or two, or do you need that from day one and I'll give you an example of where that can be a really big issue is that if you invested uh, some money today and then drew an income from that immediately and the markets were volatile and going down at that time your capital's got to work particularly hard if you like if you draw down 60k in the first year from a falling market whereas what we'd probably do is say look let's keep 60,000 to one side to sort you out for that first year and then draw that from deposit-based investments and let's get your investment working for you for a year. But the other thing I think is key is that rather than say, will it be enough or won't it be enough, is the fact that as part of our review process, we would always consider, let's have a look at the previous 12 months performance. Let's have a look at your outgoings now and see what's changed there. It may be that your rental yield is such that it's the investment's not got to work quite as hard. I'm going to sit on the fence if you don't mind <laughs> I do mind I want I want certainty I know and, and to be honest with you in the whole of investment portfolios and property investing and everything else that there aren't really certainties I think that the solution is for the client and the advisor to meet on a regular enough basis so you don't get a nasty shock six years down the line when we you know we sort of say do you know what your money's running out or whatever it's, it's a case of let's look at it on a pragmatic sort of basis of where we're at at this stage and do that at regular intervals throughout the term so joe you were looking for certainty as you said and we know that's not really something anyone can give you when it comes to things like investments but did talking to jeremy help you make some decisions yes Obviously, certainty is impossible in life. It, it wouldn't be a brilliant life if we were sure of it, because that's the whole point of life. I was looking for some guidance. He reassured me that people who play the markets are geniuses, and they bounce back, and they're able to really anticipate, be agile, uh, react to even the most difficult situations such as COVID. So perhaps I'm a bit less worried about the current climate and I will still invest some money in the stock market with a very able financial advisor. But I will definitely also think about buying a property that works for me. I think I'm going to move forward on this with a bit more confidence now. Gwen and Joe, they're two people with very different stories, but a similar goal. What do we need to think about if we're trying to do the same? Well, to help us on this, I'm joined now by Matt Frain. He's a director at Legal and General Financial Advice. Matt, welcome. So tell me, what are the key things that need to be in place for early retirement to be a realistic option? So I think the key points that I would focus on here are people often underestimate just how much is required for their retirement and how long they're going to live. If I can chuck a few stats at you, according to the Office of National Statistics, a 50-year-old woman has an average life expectancy of 87 and a 1 in 10 chance of living to 99. That's really high. Absolutely. Really high. I mean, you'd want to get that one year extra in the bag to get the 
card from the Queen, but still. So this is where the underestimation comes from in terms of life expectancy. So say you were planning to retire at some point in your 50s, you may well need to fund 30 to 40 years of retirement or even longer if you are that person that goes to 99 plus. So people really need to think about how long they're likely to live for and how they fund that. And furthermore, there was a paper called the Retirement Living Standards, which Loughborough University fed into so independent research from them. And that suggested that a single person needs around £11,000 a year for sort of a basic, a minimum living standard, moving to £21,000 a year if you want a more moderate living standard, and then up to £34,000 for a more comfortable living standard. So when you combine the two, the, the amount you actually need in retirement and the length potentially of that retirement, it really does require a lot of thought as to what is realistic for most people and how they're going to fund that. And the other side of that that I would throw in is around the state pension. So the full state pension is broadly £9,600 a year as we sit today and is currently payable from age 66, although that state pension age keeps going up. So people need to think about those shortfalls before that state pension kicks in and how they're going to fund themselves if they do choose to retire early. My goodness, food for thought there. Food for, and also as well, you can understand why some people don't retire early. Because if you're thinking of longevity, I think I might need to work longer in order to have a standard of living at the end of their lives. That's it. And there is a trend for people working longer or even re-entering the workforce, having retired for a period of time and then realise that they either can't afford to or purely out of lifestyle choice want to, to go back into, into work. OK, what's your next point? The next thing which I think is incredibly important and I would urge everyone to do this is to get the right help and support from retirement experts, particularly around pensions in particular. So if you're age 50 or over, you can have a telephone appointment with PensionWise, who um, will provide a free impartial pensions guidance service. So you can go to them and speak to them around, am I making the right decisions? What are my options when I come to retirement? And they will give you that free impartial guidance that will help you to make the decisions that you need. And then of course, you can also speak to a financial advisor who'll provide that personalised recommendation and if you don't have a financial advisor, you can source one from unbiased.co.uk, where you'll be able to find a, a local advisor able to support you. Brilliant. The final point from me on this is just around considering all of those options. Can people think about changing their careers in latter years? Can you move to part-time hours, which for some people eases them into retirement whilst also allowing them to earn some income to help fund retirement in the latter years? There's other things to consider like pension contributions. Are you maximising those and taking advantage of tax reliefs whilst you still can? Taking advantage of employer contributions whilst you still can? Have people looked at the potential of combining their pension pots where appropriate to have them all in one place? And one that's often overlooked that I would ask people to really consider is around looking at their property wealth. So we have lots of people in the UK who are cash poor but asset rich. Mm -hmm. And there's just over £1.7 trillion worth of housing stock held by the over 55s in the UK, which is quite a staggering figure and one that's hard to get your, your head around, but £1.7 trillion. Now, could people potentially release some of that equity from their home to help fund their retirement? Would that take off some of the pressures of having to work into latter years when they don't necessarily want to or haven't got the health to do so? Would it take some of the pressures off their pension funds? Is that an option for some people? It's not for everyone, but it's definitely an option for some. 
Well, Matt, three points there full of information and tips, which would be really helpful for a lot of people. And it's interesting, you know, you know, when you break it down like that, you think, actually, maybe I'll look at that option. Maybe that option would be right for me. Um, and that's what this is all about. Absolutely, Angelica. Thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. And of course, a big thank you to Gwen and Joe for sharing their financial dreams and schemes. Well, wherever you are in life, you can find lots more resources and information on Legal and General's website. Just go to legalandgeneral.com. You'll also see details of the free midlife MOT course, which they've produced with the Open University. That'll give you the tools you'll need to plan your future wealth, work and well-being. I'm Angelica Bell and I'll be back soon with more people looking for answers to their financial questions, more experts who can help them and I hope some more insight just right for you. Follow this podcast on your favourite platform and I'll catch you then.